Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. You know, we've been working our way through the book of James, and numerous times we have shared just how practical this book is. It deals with a number of issues we all face in life, controlling the tongue, gaining God's perspective during times of trial and testing, consider it all joy, remember? In chapter one, showing favoritism to the rich and the powerful, and then having balance in our lives with regard to our faith and our works. Wow, you know, that covers a long list of daily issues that each of us face. It sure does. Yeah. And James, you know, he's made it clear that he's challenging believers. He's he wants to encourage them, but but we've shared through these weeks, Walt, that he's challenging believers to live in a way that will please the Lord. Um, but in now these first six verses, as we move into chapter five, the last chapter in this book, James seems to shift his message from brothers to those who are living in a selfish and a prideful manner. Remember, we we said he uses that term brothers 19 times in the book. And what we're going to see in these first six verses, he does not refer to them as brothers. These are going to be strong words. And James wants these people to realize there will be consequences for their self-centered lifestyle. So listen as I read these first verses today in chapter 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You've laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You've fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. You know, James comes now in chapter 5 and he says, listen, I want you to hear these words. God will judge those who do not believe and who have not lived a righteous life. Judgment is coming. It is a sure thing. People who are unbelievers will face God's righteous judgment. And especially be aware if you are rich and you have hoarded your wealth. In fact, you know, you have so much wealth stored up that it has rotted. Think of grain in the barns and figs and grapes and olives. They've rotted. Think of luxurious clothes that have been eaten by moths. Your great wealth is going to waste. And this is a sign of your greed and your selfishness. And even though these people are wealthy, they've held back the fair wages for those who labor in their fields. However, 
the workers' cries have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And, you know, even as we use that phrase, the Lord of hosts, and, and the cries reaching his ears, um, the Lord of hosts is always viewed as powerful, and he's viewed as a coming judge. And it's not just their cries, he's heard them, and yeah, I heard something. It's, I have heard them, and I will act. Um, um, numerous passages in the Old Testament, and I'll just pull out a couple of them. One is Second Chronicles eighteen eighteen. Hear the words of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And, and this idea of there's a host in heaven, and the Daniel explains a little bit more in chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, and he has this vision of the Lord of hosts. As, as I look, thrones were placed, and then the Ancient of Days took his seat, and his clothing was as white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire, and a stream of fire issued and came out from before him. And thousands of thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. See, there's the, the throne and the court scene and the judgment. This, this is a powerful judge, and all around him is the hosts of heaven. These, not just thousands, not just tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of angels. The idea is the Lord of hosts has a host of heaven just ready, and someday they will come in judgment. And then in the New Testament, it continues that idea beyond the book of James. The last book, Revelation chapter 5, talks about it. I'm seeing these thrones and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, taking that imagery back from Daniel. And they're saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is them, them saying, to him who sits on the throne, the judge, the king, and to the lamb be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And even as, as you read through that, this, this imagery of these angels and the host of heaven and the judgments of, of the Lord and of his Christ. And then it really comes full circle in Revelation 19 as it talks about this end time when again the one sitting on the throne is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. That's who's coming. And his eyes are like a flame of fire and his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name of, by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven are arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. And they were following him on white horses. And this imagery that all the readers should understand, when James talks about this, this is a truly powerful and ultimate judge. And, and he's telling the people that are listening, he said, listen, the rich, these powerful people, though, even if they're holding back what is rightfully yours, and they're living these luxurious, self-indulgent, selfish lives, they are unaware that there's impending judgment coming. And, and even though James does not address this group as brothers, it's possible they were. They declared themselves to be believers. But James is saying, when you live this way, you better weep and howl for the miseries that are going to come upon you. You will ultimately face this powerful judge, and you better get right. 
Yeah, and it's just so powerful as you're sharing those verses, Walt, of what that throne room looks like. A reminder for us that the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, He is powerful, He is mighty, and He will vindicate His suffering people in due time. And you know, Brenda, even as you're saying that, I, I know a head for heart to me is that sometimes I look at things happening in this world, even things happening to um, to children, things happening to those that don't have a sense of power, and I'm saying, God, how long will this continue? And I can get tricked into almost thinking like, oh, the wicked are winning, and I need to remember in my head, and it, it go to my heart, God will eventually come and judge and set things right. And it seems like it's going to be a long time, but for him it won't be. And that there's going to come a time, and, and that should give me encouragement, and that should give me hope. I need to believe what the Bible says is true more than what my eyes see it going on in the world around me. And as you share that head to heart, well, it ties right into where James is taking us now in verse 7, because he starts out with, be patient, therefore, brothers. So remember, I told you these first six verses, he did not refer to the audience, his readers, as brothers, but right away in seven, but he says, be patient. And so, Walt, as you're saying that, yes, we have to hold on to that truth. In light of these truths, what are we as believers to do? Well, we are to wait patiently during this time of suffering. And suffering looks different all over this world for where believers are. And there are hard times that people are facing now. There are hard times in the past for some people, and there are some hard times coming in the future for believers. But James now takes us into these next verses that really, um, there it's just a, a package, Walt, of things that James wants us to say in summary. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brother, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And as we begin there in 7, James wants us to see the imagery of the farmer. He says, wait for the precious fruit of the earth. So let's think about Israel. Let's go to Israel. What are we looking at? We're looking at grape vineyards. We're looking at olive orchards. We're looking at date palms. And what happens? They have to wait for the precious fruit. Well, you know what? A grape vineyard, it it will be three to seven years until the farmer will be able to harvest the fruit from grapes. And how about an an olive orchard, <laughs> that is a patient wait. It's about 10 years until the farmer will harvest our 
those olives and be able to realize um, that he's now got something to sell. He's got produce. And so it does take patience. And that's an example for us to follow of the farmer. And even as we, we go to that farmer imagery, he also says there's encouragement about the early and latter rains, that, uh, that whole idea of God gives those to just encourage you. The early rains came in October and November, and, and the latter rains came in April and May. And, and we were just in Israel and, and saw some of, the, some of those April rains and um Tourists don't necessarily want the rain when they're there in April, but at the same time, the Jewish people love it, and they are so excited about the rain because that, they know that that's going to help bring the crops, especially the grain crops, to fruition. And, and, and so they're excited about that. There's hope there. In the midst of that, that waiting patiently, James says, don't grumble against one another because when we're waiting, our, our patience can and tends to grow thin. And when that happens, we begin to grumble, um, grumble against others, grumbling even against others in our own home, in our families, grumbling against people who should be our friends and our neighbors. And he says, you need to remember the prophets. They suffered and they had to wait patiently. And the prophets are blessed because they were steadfast and they endured through the long, hard years. Another example, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job. And I, I love the passage in Job at the end of chapter 1, when after everything seemingly has fallen apart in his life, he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's someone who's waiting patiently. That's someone who is enduring in the midst of, of trials and testing and, and heartache. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord. God has a purpose. And remember this, believer, remember this. God is compassionate and he is merciful. He, he will show us his mercy and his compassion. He loves us and he wants us to trust him and wait, even in the most stressful of times. You know, when we study the prophets, uh, Walt, I, I I go to Isaiah and Jeremiah. Oh my word, those men, decades of faithful ministry, doing what God commanded for them to do, filled with hardship, trials, the people around them questioning them, what are you doing, telling them they were fools, the suffering that those prophets endured. And, and I'm just mentioning those two. There are all the minor prophets as well. But James then ends that verse with these words filled with hope for believers. You've seen the purpose of the Lord. He is compassionate and merciful. And I love, again, that verse from Job that you, you took Job as he's sitting there and he is mourning the loss of, of all of his children and its livestock, all that was taken away. He says, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, in verses 7 to 11, James has said, listen, listen to these verbs, be patient, these action steps, establish your heart, do not grumble. He says, consider, in other words, think deeply about those who have remained steadfast, those prophets and the story about Job. And then he comes into verse 12 and says, but above all, so all of those be established, do not grumble, consider, but above all, brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes 
and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. You know, most of us are familiar with the oath we take in a court of law. Do you solemnly swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Well, you know, we say that in a court of law, we have have those people who are going to be examined um, say that with their hand raised in a pledge. But, you know, in reality, above all, do not swear. You know, we should be honest in all of our speech, all day, every day. We shouldn't have to take an oath. And what James is saying is, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Be that kind of a person. We look at our loving Heavenly Father and we know that He's watching over us and He provides for us. We can trust Him to carry out righteous judgment because He is faithful and true. And I know for my head to heart, I just have to remember I've got to cling to that on those days when it's hard. Uh, even some of these verses that we've uh, read to you today and that, w- that we've mentioned are great verses to go back to and reflect on. And that's just a reminder to me, we do have a God who is compassionate and merciful. You know, James has been teaching us and reminding us that there is a Lord of hosts who is powerful and he will come to judge and in the midst of that, we're to be patient and we're to endure hardship because as James says, um, we're to consider blessed those who remain steadfast. That's what he wants us to do, remain steadfast. Um, even as we think about this and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful, I'm reminded of the words of a great hymn. It goes, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. And then the refrain, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I've had needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's close in prayer. So, Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of hosts, that you are a great God. We, Jesus, we thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the Lamb slain before the foundation of time. That is who we worship. And because of your greatness, we can, we can wait patiently. We can be reminded that you will come and set all things right. But in the meantime, Lord, would you help each of us to be patient as we wait for your return and that we would become ever more faithful in our walk with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.